Hey, welcome to PT Snacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, for one, welcome. But also what you should know about this podcast is that it's meant for physical therapists who are looking to grow your fundamentals, but also do it in bite-sized segments of time. So that leaves you time to do whatever else that it is for the rest of your day. And then you can incorporate these in your practice, learn a little bit faster, be a little bit more time efficient. So last week we went over bone healing. So hopefully you were able to integrate that in your practice if it's applicable to you. But today we're going to be covering muscle healing, which in physical therapy, we are treating muscles all the time, right? Whether they're the the tissue that is directly involved or as a side effect, but it is definitely important for us to be able to understand how muscles work. In this episode, we're going to cover muscles that are a little bit more at risk or how they get injured the basics on how they heal. Remember, you can go back to episode three for the more uh, zoomed in approach on tissue healing overall, but also, you know, talk about how we apply this in our setting on what do we do with muscle injuries? And then we'll go over a little bit on strains, like different grades of muscle strains and how you can incorporate this in your practice, because that's the whole point. All of this should be for a reason, and that is for you to be able to utilize it with your patients. So let's get started. Um, Basically, muscles get injured through several different means. There can be a direct trauma. So if there was a laceration or a contusion, they might have a muscle strain, which is more considered like an indirect trauma. Or they might even have some sort of degenerative diseases, like some sort of muscular dystrophy that is affecting their muscles. On top of that, some muscles are more prone to injury than others. So if we're concerned about like an overstretch injury, you'll often see that in a two-joint muscle, um, just with the amount of tension that's already added to it when a limb is put in a certain position. So Keep in mind, this episode is a grand overview. We're not really zooming in with this, but other um, injuries can be like a myofiber overload where maybe there was a huge eccentric contraction when someone was trying to decelerate and it was just a little bit more than the muscles were ready for. Muscles with type 2 fibers are a little bit more prone to have some sort of like strain injury. Um, just associated with a higher speed contraction. So you'll see this in a lot of like your sprinters or your speed athletes, soccer. Um, And the most common muscles that are injured with muscle strains are going to be like your hamstrings, your gastrocs, squads, hip flexors, hip adductors, erector spinae, deltoid, and rotator cuff. Okay. So we're going to go over a brief overview of just like how they heal and where we fit in that process. Because it's probably important to understand how the muscles heal so you can be an assistant in that process and not just guessing. And so just remember the basics. There's inflammation, regeneration, and then restoration or remodeling. And so in the inflammatory phase, this is going to be like, hey, the injury is happening or just happened. Let's make sure that we adjust quickly to stop it from getting any worse. So the damage occurs, there's inflammation, you're going to have formation of a hematoma and then the reaction that basically kickstarts the next healing process and all that series of steps. So 
there will be necrosis of muscle fibers that are triggered by basically the body saying, my hemostasis is interrupted. Let's fix this. And then in the muscles, particularly um, with a muscle injury, there's going to be an excessive amount of calcium in the cytoplasm that is going to activate proteases and hydrolases that can cause more muscle damage. And then further activate other enzymes to kind of break down things that are happening in this area. So this looks like redness, swelling, heat, pain, loss of function, bruising, and all of it is going to line up with how much damage was done. So less damage, less response, more damage, more response, at least in most cases. So this is for us as therapists going to be more of a protection phase. The body is going to do its thing, and we're trying not to add more injury to the tissue that's already being injured or has been injured. And then the body, once it has this under wraps, it's it's trying to stabilize the wound, essentially. We're trying to now move into the regeneration phase where there's phagocytosis of the damaged tissue, there's regeneration of the myofibers, and then satellite cell activation. This is usually going to happen during the first four to five days after the injury, and then it's going to peak at two weeks. And so you'll see a lot in um, like charts with different muscle healing timelines. Muscle injury is typically linked like around two to four weeks is what it'll say. And, And that's because of this timeline. Keep in mind, though, that it depends on how much damage was done, uh, which we'll cover a little bit later in this episode. All right, so here's a unique thing about muscle fibers when they're injured. Muscles are post-mitotic cells. Remember, mitosis is when a cell divides. And so if they are post-mitotic, that means they're unable to divide. So in this tissue, satellite cells, which are like your skeletal muscle stem cells in this scenario, are they kind of live between the plasma membrane of the myofibers and the basal lamina. And so if there's an injury, what they do is they help to regenerate skeletal muscle. So the injury happens, they get activated, they proliferate, and then they give rise to myogenic precursor cells or myoblasts. And then the myoblasts, what they do is they either form new myotubes or they fuse with damaged myofibers. And then with this, they are able to eventually mature into more functional myofibers so that the muscle is healing, essentially. That's how it happens in in basically this tissue. Um, So this is happening with the muscle fibers. The connective tissue around it is also being under construction. So remember, there's a hematoma that happens after the injury, and this causes a gap between the damaged muscle fibers So with this injury, as we are moving out of like, okay, just swelling, stabilize, there's going to be fibrotic response that helps to stabilize and act as a scaffolding for new tissue to form around. Now, we'll see this sometimes in the clinic if there's excessive scar tissue formation that can actually prevent normal muscle function, Um, but it, it does play a key role in just helping structures fit where they're supposed to. And then very key aspect of healing, as I mentioned in episode three, is angiogenesis. You've got to have restoration of blood supply so that that area, that tissue is able to undergo healing. So this is, when you see this, this is going to be one of the first signs of muscle regeneration. 
And when I say, when you see this, um, are we really going to see it? No, unless you've got some like supervision that uh, makes you a superhero. Anyways, back on track. So there's lots of blood flow. Cells are multiplying. Things are being repaired and starting to turn into more of a functional tissue. Now, when the tissue is starting to become innervated, that is when we're starting to be able to be more functional. So muscle repair is going to be complete when injured myofibers are fully regenerated and become innervated. And when I'm talking about innervation, I'm talking about the synaptic connection between the motor neuron and the target muscle fiber at the neuromuscular junction. So this is happening like two to three weeks after damage. So in PT, while they're doing this, the stage before where we're just trying to protect, let's not add more injury to a previous injury, right? Now in this phase, we can start moving from immobilization to early mobilization to allow for basically more blood flow to that area for more healing, but you need to be smart about it, right? So we do want to make sure that we are starting to get them moving to help with decreasing excessive scar formation and help work on the increasing the tensile strength of the muscle fibers, but it needs to be an appropriate intensity because they are healing. They are not ready to be like yanked at yet. So maybe think about it like this. So um, obviously I've never built a brick wall before, but there is the brick and mortar. So the mortar is a mixture that you kind of blend together and then you put it in between the stacks of bricks so that once it dries, it's like a really solid brick wall. But if we lay it down and we don't give it time to set and we just lay it down and then we automatically push over the wall, it's not as strong. And so we're more likely to cause it to fall down, right? Um, and for those of you who have built a brick wall, you might be like, you are completely ridiculous. But the point is, my analogy is supposed to point to that we need to allow those tissues to be fully healed before we go crazy with our exercises, but you are still starting to get some blood flow to that area, maybe with some isometrics as it's healing, going through pain-free range of motion um, with some isotonic exercises as tolerated, okay? And then now after that is remodeling. So Basically, what we're looking for is maturation of regenerated myofibers, fibrosis, and scar tissue formation. So we're looking at more so recovery of muscle functional capacity. And as they're going to this now, and that would line up in physical therapy in terms of, hey, they're starting to return to regular activities. They've got, we're working them towards full strength through their full range of motion and more sports specific training. So we are, have left the isometrics behind. We're into the isotonics, maybe gearing towards more plyometric activities, speed-based activities, that kind of stuff. Because remember what I said before, a lot of people who experience injury to the muscle, like muscle strains, are going to be your, your speed athletes. So that's kind of a basic overview, and it's very oversimplified, but hopefully that makes sense in terms of the general process specific to this type of tissue. Now, as I mentioned before, in terms of like prognosis and healing time, you'll typically see like two to four weeks, but this is probably more so geared towards like muscle strains. Um, it just depends on the severity of injury to that tissue. The great thing about muscle is muscle has a very rich blood supply. And as I mentioned before, more blood supply means faster healing tissue. So 
the classic grading scale is like grades one, two, and three in context of grading muscle strain and what type it is. So grade one is going to be the least severe. It's like mild. And it really only affects a limited number of the fibers in the muscle. Someone with this, they might not even have a decrease in strength. They might have full active and passive range of motion, but they might have pain and tenderness that happens the next day. Grade two is defined as where half, nearly half the muscle fibers are torn and they will have acute and significant pain and they will have some swelling and minor decrease in their muscle strength. Grade three is the most severe and that is where there's a complete rupture in the muscle. So it can be torn in several places. It can be torn between the tendon and the muscle belly or the muscle belly could be torn in two. This is going to be accompanied with severe swelling and pain and complete loss of function because it's torn. There's nothing, there's nothing operating basically. Okay. So more severe equals longer healing time. So hopefully y'all are still with me. How do we apply this to the clinic? Why do we need to know this? So in terms of you and your treatment application, you need to be able to know how to safely progress someone who has some sort of muscular injury to where you are helping it to heal and being an ally in that process without adding excessive strain that delays the healing process. So you're watching for things along this, along with your knowledge of how long on average this will take to be able to basically give them the appropriate stimulus. And so knowing your healing timeframes is important. And then also I would highly recommend, depending on, again, it's going to look different according to what body region you're, you're using this with, but be mindful of things where like you're watching for in your patients to see if they're reacting well. And then also in terms of, you know, prognosis, I did mention that, but what is the mismatch between where they are and where you need them to go? You need to be able to use this information and understand what causes a risk factor for a, for example, muscle strain so that you can get them back to the same level of intensity. So let's say maybe you're, you're just doing like isometrics and concentrics, very basic ADL level stuff, but let's say they need to get back to a sport with, that has a lot of eccentric deceleration or fast twitch muscles that need to be utilized. So be mindful of that. And then also educate your patients with this. Are they going to want to know about myofibrils and uh, macrophages and all that stuff? Probably not. Let them be an ally in their own healing process so that when you are educating them, you're, look, you're telling them what to look for and what to avoid. They are only in the clinic a certain amount of time. And so if we're educating them on, hey, this is where you are in the healing time frame. These are the things that you want to avoid. When we get to this level, we will start doing this because it is going to allow you to heal. But if you do too much, then you could actually cause more injury. And then they're like, oh, great, cool. Got it. Because the last thing an athlete wants is to do something that keeps them longer from their sport, right? And then as well, Use this to educate your patients on preventing future injuries with their own training program. Are they incorporating things that uh, address these muscles to make sure that they are ready for the intensity of the muscle contraction that you're, you're trying to do with whatever it is, if it's a sport, if it's a hobby, anything like that. Okay. So 
in essence, that's your call to action. Use this for your your training progressions in the clinic and use this to educate your patients. So use this knowledge to your advantage. Okay. So if you have any questions, you know where to find me. You can reach out at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at ptsnackspodcast. I like to post up a lot of quiz questions up there if you want to interact. If not, that's totally fine. Um, And then if you want to support the show, there's a link below for buy me a coffee. Every little bit counts. It helps. Um, But also, if you are needing to keep up with your CEUs, which if you're listening, there's a high chance that you are a physical therapist, something that shouldn't be a surprise when we're going through license renewal. This episode is sponsored by MedBridge. They deliver over 1,580 evidence-based physical therapy C courses, including more than 7,000 specialized patient exercises available whenever you need them and wherever you are. And MedBridge is more than just CEUs. They're leading the space. So from interactive webinars led by top industry leaders to the first ever HEP patient mobile app, MedBridge has taken learning to the next level for over 200,000 PTs, OTs, ATs, SLPs, and nurses, and those they serve. So for a limited time, use the promo code PTSnackspodcast, again, you can see this below, in order to receive $175 off your annual subscription. Okay. So as always, guys, if you need anything, you know where to find me. Um, My goal for this is to be concise, helpful, um, but also quality 